Welcome to Spread the Word, a podcast brought to you by Bayes. Our mission is to interview and share perspectives on gender to our community. You're here with Audrey, Sydney, Ahana, Isha, Liz, Serena, Megan, Shreya, Sajal, and Erin. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to our podcast episode. Um, we're here with Monica and Emily, and we're just going to be talking about gender in general and um, pronouns and just everything surrounding that. Um, so the first question, I guess, is what struggles have the both of you faced as a member of the LGBTQ plus community um, or your personal experiences, anything really about your uh, experiences? I mean, I guess like this might sound dumb right at first, but like just accessibility, um, or oh my gosh, acceptance, um, not necessarily even just outside of the community, but even within the community, there is a lot of gatekeeping. Um, so you can see people gatekeeping certain identities. Um, there's some people who gatekeep like asexual or aromantic people, um, and I have to identify as both, and those are just people who don't experience like romantic attraction or sexual attraction um and so some people will say you know that doesn't belong in the lgbtq plus community um and other things and there's there's a lot of gatekeeping within the community not just with those two identities so it can be it can struggle to go to a place where you're supposed to be a fate supposed to feel safe and accepted and then still struggle with that do you have any like maybe like solutions that come off the top of your head that like maybe ways that we can um, better understand that situation or handle that situation? Yeah, I mean, within the community, I would say there's a lot of people that don't necessarily try to do that. Um, and so that's great. But I think that this is almost the same for the people that are within and without or not within the community. Um, and that would just be to listen to those people and listen to their experiences. Um, Cause I mean, you have to remember that at one point, um, gay was just being gay was super um, like out there, not mainstream. And now it's a lot more mainstream. So if we can kind of raise that awareness and listen to the people who identify um, with those gate kept identities, then it's a lot easier to kind of wrap your head around it and you can ask questions or you can google it or whatnot um, and that just makes everything better <laughs> listening to those people um, going along with what em was saying um, about gatekeeping and listening to voices it's really frustrating um seeing people um try to speak about issues or, or speak over in issues um that don't necessarily apply to them um especially um, when it comes to issues within the LGBTQ community. Um, like, for example, the whole issue with, like, TERFs and trying to, um, I, like, I'd see a lot of, like, discourse on the internet um, that has to do with gender identity, and then I see cis people trying to say their opinion on it or try to speak out about it, even though it really doesn't apply to them. And then I, I even see, like, discourse about, um, um, sexual orientation, sexuality, and then I see um, heterosexual people try to speak about it when it's really not their place to say. It's just really frustrating. And then like, like I agree with them. I think it's really important to just listen to people's voices or listen to people's experiences, um, try to understand uh, where people are coming from and 
yeah, it's just really frustrating seeing like discourse, especially um, when it's like super important um, for like the LGBTQ community to kind of like stay a little united or like um, like face issues um, that like affect like the community as a whole, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, so you guys, um, you both like talked about um, like the concept of gatekeeping. So like, I was wondering if you both could like kind of elaborate more on like gatekeeping and what it is, especially like in regards to like the LGBT community. I think in a broad sense, um, gatekeeping just refers to like keeping certain people out, um, whether that be like a physical place um, or like a community. Um, so the gatekeeping would kind of be like saying only some people are a part of the community for in this instance. Um, so like that would could be saying, oh, only, you know, people who are like homosexual, who are gay can be, come in here rather than also people who are, you know, trans or queer or, or fall under any sort of different umbrella. Um, so like that gatekeeping can happen within the community from people that are in the community and say like, no, you're not a part of this, you don't belong here. Or it could occur from like people outside of the community who basically say the same thing, except they're just looking on, they're not even within that community. Yeah, I think um, like an example of that would be um, telling a bisexual person who is dating someone of the opposite gender that they're not bisexual or they're not allowed to call themselves bisexual. Um, even though like there's current like relationship status doesn't really define their sexuality as a whole. Um, and like another example would be saying like, like if you present to femme, then you can't like be a lesbian, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just like trying to keep people out of like a certain like space and, um, and, and um, like applying it to like the LGBTQ community and like um, terms that refer to people's like identity. Um, that that's basically just um, people enforcing their own definition of their of a certain identity on someone else. If even if their like definition might be a little bit different, because a lot of the time um, it, it, it's really about like the person's own experiences. Like labels are supposed to be like something for people to like find a community something to find or something that people use to find comfort or kind of like help like discover themselves um and so yeah like gatekeeping is really like can be really harmful and I can see why some people choose to gatekeep because some people find a really strong sense of identity within the labels that they choose and it's scary when people who have a different definition of that label try to like identify as that um, but a lot, a lot of the times, or most of the time, still wrong um, because you know you don't understand the other person. Yeah, I think it's like really interesting that like still like people feel like they need to be placed in a certain box. If that makes sense, like if you can't just like you know be yourself, like having to you know be a specific kind of way. I think that's an interesting concept. Okay, so um, our next question is. What are your thoughts or personal experiences um, with gender and pronouns? So like, um, for instance, a lot of people like, um, you know, use like the wrong pronouns when identi 
identifying someone. Um, so like, uh, like in what ways do you think people who are um, not a part of the LGBT commu community can like work be better and, you know, um, correcting themselves and like um, identifying people as they would like to be identified as? So I actually identify as non-binary um, and use they, them pronouns. So I feel like this is a great, great question. Um, I mean, a lot of it, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. Like, it's really not a big deal. And there are people who will, if they make a mistake and they realize or they get told later, they make like a giant whole production of it. Um, and I think that's just not necessary. It brings a lot more attention to the issue than just being like, than just either kind of correcting what you're saying or being like, pull them aside in private and just be like, hey, sorry about that. Like, I'll do my best to remember. Um, but I think a way to kind of show that you are an ally and that you're kind of willing to think about that is in situations kind of, especially when introducing yourself to new people to say, oh, hi, like I'm M, oh, and I, I go by they, them pronouns, even if that pronoun is kind of what um, someone looking on might assume that you use. And that just kind of lets the other person know that, oh, like they're kind of a little bit more educated on this subject and they're willing to hear my pronouns. So like whether or not that, pronoun like changes later, they can, they kind of have that little knowing that they can trust you. Um, I think a lot of people uh, like me, I, I, I'm cis, so I don't go um, by, uh, uh, I, I go by she, her pronouns. Um, and uh, I think what a lot of people are trying to do now is put their pronouns in like their social media bios or like in their names or next to their names. Um, to kind of normalize the um, idea of giving your pronouns or, or not like make it um, more comfortable for people um, to like share their pronouns, if that makes sense. But it's also important to know that it doesn't stop there, um, like in terms of like, uh, like, like making like sharing pronouns like more comfortable. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to say that. I also would like to say, like, I definitely think that that should be more, like, widespread, like you were talking about, like, um, at my workplace, I, I, like, I work at a clinic, and I have sometimes, like, patients come in that go by different pronouns, and I feel like it's a little disrespectful to not ask them prior to us going through this whole exam, so I feel like maybe something that we could put, like, when they're, like, checking in, um, or, like, even on their chart is, like, what pronouns they go by so we can make it as respectful as possible, so I feel like making it more widespread will, would also help a little bit, but I'm not really sure if that's, like, mutual from both sides I mean like I definitely see what like kind of agree with that and see what you're saying just because like the first thing is kind of to let people know that asking someone's pronouns is a great way to start but like yeah. putting someone's pronouns like in their chart or asking them beforehand is great because then that kind of solidifies it so then like every time like if I go in and see one doctor and they realize that if I go in and see a different doctor next time um <laughs> more of a oh yeah like I'm reviewing their chart they know that they use they them pronouns and you know whatever medical issue you're coming in for or like whatever the case may be based on that different situation. Yeah so we also wanted to ask how you found your role in this community and if you had difficulty understanding your role what advice would you give to those who are also struggling with these same questions? Um, I think it took me a while to realize that you don't necessarily have to ha have a tangible role in the community if you don't want to. 
I mean, like, I happen to be board of a club that works specifically with the LGBTQ community. And that's great. I love doing that. But if there's someone else who just wants to kind of be able to recognize their identity themselves and not really do anything else, they can do that. Um, but despite not having to do that, like choose a role, there are a lot of things that you can do if you want to. Um, there's a lot of like social media support pages um, at the moment, or even just like Facebook groups or something like that, where it's only like trans people and or, you know, lesbian people or whatever. And that might not impact what you're seeing like that on Facebook, that might just be normal posts, but it's kind of nice to be able to say like, oh, you know, I know these people and I kind of have that connection with a larger community. And a lot of people, I think, really enjoy knowing that they're not alone. So I think that would be like a really good way to kind of have a first step of getting involved. Yeah, and I also think a lot of it is like self-discovery and figuring out like what you're comfortable with. Um, and yeah, just exposing yourself to information, doing your research um, if you need to, and just like, you know, I feel like this can apply, be applied to like a lot of other <laughs> things in life. Um, but yeah, it's like, just like being informed, um, you know. Yeah, kind of like a follow up to that question, a little more specific to IMSA. Um, how do you think IMSA can better handle like bias incidents towards um, based on gender and like sexual orientation on campus or just better provide resources in general for the community? I mean, I've a lot of the people at IMSA, most of them are very accepting and that's fantastic. That's already like makes me at least feel like a lot safer going and being like out and proud. Um, but I think that there definitely are bias incidents that occur. And I think part of it is realizing that that's not okay. Um, and there's a lot of things that if you hear them and you're a part of the community, that's something you've maybe heard like a hundred times. And so it might not have any true meaning to you. And even though it's kind of a problematic thing to say. So in that case, like, I'm not saying you have to fill out a bias incident report, but there's definitely some more education that I think could be done by IMSA to say um, that even if it doesn't bother one person, it can still be problematic because I see I definitely have seen and heard people who have said like, oh, well, it didn't bother this person. So like, it's totally fine. Whereas that might not necessarily be the case. I also think providing protection to people who fill out bias incident forms is really important. Um, Cause even though you can fill it out anonymously, a lot of the time, like if something, if an incident happens, um, whether it was a bias incident that has to do with like the LGBTQ community or if it was like a racial issue or a gendered issue. Um, a lot of the time when things happen after the bias incident is like filled out, the people involved know who filled out the bias incident form, if that makes sense, or know who might have. So I think providing protections for those who try to speak out about like any incidents that happen is really important and then like whether that means like maybe an RC comes around the room a little more off like the, the person's room a little more often or like they have like like some like administration like sit in like or not administration but like you like 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 they tell like a teacher who 
like happen to be in like a classroom when like an incident happened to just like keep an eye out for anything like further um that 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 like um could affect people in the classroom um just anything like that um could be really important um and then also it's to recognize that the institution isn't perfect because i think um imsa definitely um makes more of an effort at least in my experiences it makes more of an effort to try to um be diverse or try to like train students to like have a more open mind if that makes sense um and so comparing that to like all, all the other schools like i would say that like imsa does a pretty good job and other students would agree but like you still have to recognize that things still happen in the institution and by saying that oh yeah imsa is like a, like the most accepting environment or like IMSA is perfect, um, it really makes it hard for people who experiences um, any incidents um, that happen within the institution um, to kind of speak out about it because then they're, they're probably gonna think like, oh, well, um, my issue isn't <laughs> um, that bad. Like people could be thinking like, oh, it could have been worse if that makes sense. Um, but yeah. And I also think training for teachers is also important um, maybe like encouraging all teachers to add like, um, like you know those get to know me forms like the the teachers will send out at the beginning of like the semester like oh like what's your name like what should I know about you maybe like encouraging teachers to add um, like areas in the form that's like oh what should I refer to you in front of your parents what should I refer to you um, in the classroom. And like, what, what are your pronouns in front of your parents? What are your pronouns in the classroom? Um, could really um, make students a little bit more comfortable um, with sharing like their identities like to their teachers, if that makes sense. Um, and then I think another topic we kind of want to touch on was um, like what um, you think in, about like the, um, the LGBTQ community in terms of like the intersectionality with different communities. So for instance, like with like racial groups and different ethnic groups, like um, like in that intersectionality, like what often do you notice about it? Or like, um, for instance, I know like um, for some individuals who are part of the LGBT community and um, for example, like African-American, like those um, disparities could be much higher so like what are your thoughts on like that intersectionality or like the correlation between the two i mean like i definitely think intersectionality is important um and i think that that just kind of adds another level of challenging to that person which kind of sucks to say but i think we all know that because if they're dealing with the stigma from being a part of the lgbtq community and they additionally have to deal with um, stigma of like being a part of the African American community or like being disabled or something like that, that oftentimes can set up a lot of people who are on looking on to automatically be extra wary of them because of many reasons. But I think a lot of the times because they're demanding respect and Wow, I'd love to say that is an automatic thing that everyone gets from everyone else. Um, it's not. And I think it's a lot harder for people to wrap their minds around multiple things if they're um, not necessarily an ally of those communities. And they might be thinking that the person asks too much and 
that really sucks um, as a part of like the disabled community as well as the LGBTQ community. It sets you up to kind of think about what you can prioritize because if I'm going up to someone that I don't know and I have to ask them um, something for some sort of like accommodation class or something maybe out of the norm, am I gonna choose to ask them to respect my pronouns or am I gonna choose to ask them to um, make accommodations for my disability? And that definitely sucks to have to make that like prioritization because um, for me at least, that's never gonna be my pronouns. That's a lot less important to me, but those two things should not be mutually exclusive. Um, I will say there are people within a community that I've seen that try and play like a, almost in a bingo of being oppressed. Um, and they'll be like, oh, well, like, listen to me first, because not only am I gay, but I'm also disabled. And I just don't think that's okay. Um, because if I'm discussing a LGBTQ issue, everyone's voices within that community should be kind of heard equally. And I think that's hard for a lot of people within the community to remember is that everyone's voices should be heard. And that kind of almost goes back to the gatekeeping comment right at the beginning is that there's a lot of gatekeeping within those intersectional things, which sucks, but I, it can't be fixed with a snap of the fingers. You just have to kind of raise awareness and break down the stigma for each group individually before you can break down barriers for um, the both groups like at the same time in the same person. Um, another thing is I feel like some people in the LGBTQ um, community sort of water down intersectional issues, if that makes sense. Um, this might sound weird, <laughs> but people tend to forget that just because you're oppressed for one thing doesn't mean you can oppress, like doesn't mean you can't oppress others. Um, uh, for example, like, um, I, I've like seen a lot of racial issues within the LGBTQ community, like excessive use of AAVE and the appropriation of like black culture within the LGBTQ community. Um, and that's an issue. <laughs> um, and I, I, I don't know, like you, you can't play, I, I agree with them. You can't like play like oppression bingo. Um, like everybody's voices should be able to be heard and it's kind of like disheartening, like seeing um, like other people in my community, like be ignorant about like issues that have to do with um, race like that. Cause I know in my head, um, I'm going to be judged first for being Asian and like, like female before I'm gonna be judged for like being gay. Cause like gay isn't something that like, I just, I, I, I don't know how to, <laughs> how to put it, but um, I think like people should understand um, like, like uh, white able-bodied, um, like LGBTQ um, members should understand that like, like issues like are um, like, like issues can be intersectional, if that makes sense. Um, LGBTQ people of color face different issues than um, non-POC LGBTQ members. Um, and yeah, that, that's about all I can speak on.
But yeah, I agree with everything that M said too. Kind of going off the idea of intersectionality, what's your view on the relationship between women's rights and LGBTQ plus rights? I mean, I at least think they're connected. Um, and, or at least there's a lot of overlap, but they're not necessarily, they're definitely not the same thing. Um, so as like a female um, or someone who is assigned female at birth individual who is also part of the LGBTQ community, there's a lot of overlap that I've seen with um, feminism, like pioneering for both the rights and equality of women, but also LGBTQ people because a lot of those like rights are being withheld or that equality is being withheld from those people, both from both those communities in a very similar way. But at the same time, you have to see, you have people um, like TERFs, which are trans exclusionary radical feminists who um, basically don't believe that trans women are real women. And it's tough to kind of see where that intersectionality stops um, because if I'm trying to get women's rights, that applies to all women, regardless of whether they were assigned female at birth, regardless of whether they menstruate, or regardless of really anything else. Um, and so there's like an overlap there, but some people don't see it. And it's kind of hard to say that um, issues, um, particularly issues regarding like the LGBTQ community and um, like women's rights issues. We love to say they fit in little boxes and with most things, they really don't fit in those little boxes. Um, they kind of lead over into each other, um, whether that be with one individual or just with the group as a whole. And so I think that they kind of lead into each other, even though there are issues that each face that might be different from the other. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so like, that's all like the questions we had. Did um, either of you want to just add anything before we like wrap it up? No? Okay, cool. Well, um, thank you both so much for coming.